Looking at James in the New Testament, chapter 1. A couple of verses in James chapter 1, verse 19 to 22. Four verses. I'll read them and uh, then we'll pray and then we'll look at the study God will bring us tonight. Lord willing. Verse 19 of chapter 1. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Let's pray. Loving Father God in heaven, we thank you for this night as we've given thanks in song, in worship, in prayer and uh, in our fellowship even so, Lord. And thank you for your presence with us, Lord. And thank you for your Holy Spirit that guides us. And Lord, the joy, the new song as we've just sung in our heart that we can have rejoicing in the hope that we have in the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ and we can have eternal life through being forgiven of our sin Lord through the blood that cleanses us from all sin and we just thank you for the cleansing of your word as we read it and it convicts us Lord and Lord we thank you um, as we've just read there the contrast of not only being a hearer but a doer Lord and uh how that applies through these practical applications James gives us tonight, Lord, in this chapter. And so we ask your blessing, ask for your help, Lord, and uh, I ask for it. We need it and guide us and direct us in our thinking. Lord, we pray that as we seek to apply these truths in our lives, in our situations, in our relationships, Lord, we can honour and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. As students of the word, as we read the Bible, this text may be familiar, as I've just read them. You might have recognised these words in these verses. And we can think of Psalms 1914. The psalmist wrote, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And so the meditations of our heart as we hear his word is important to God. And, and we must see the importance here, especially as we read there in our first verse there, 19 of being good listeners and taking the time in that meditation after we hear the word whether or not, you know, to discover. And uh, we actually understand what we hear and obey it, the instruction that is given in the word. So, so to fully understand and appreciate what God is saying and... We always, as we look at the context, that's what preachers here do and what's our pastor does. He always 
helps us understand the context of the text that he's that he's and the preacher is preaching and of what we're looking at and there are a lot of things having said that that we don't know in the word of god and god doesn't explain everything and uh and he doesn't have to he's given us what we need to know and so there are a lot of things we don't know that are just not recorded in the bible and but most of those things just with general human reasoning people want to know and they can be distracted and waste a lot of time and they take this is when we start to go out of context when they do that but we need to stick to the facts and uh i think that's great and god gives us many facts in his word and we've been singing about some of those facts tonight that gives us great hope and joy in our salvation in our eternal life and so in looking at the facts let's look at verse 19 the first word there wherefore and this word reveals to us and is about to explain the previous 18 verses that would be as i've just mentioned the immediate context 1 to 18 of what james is wanting to practically make an application and uh and with what just to not go through it all but what he's saying is the purpose of trials and temptations in the life of the believer he wants to make very practical and encourage his hearers and verse 2 we see my brethren in chapter 1 verse 16 we see beloved brethren verse 19 we see my beloved brethren in verse 19 so we see his audience are believers he's writing to and so the applications which are very practical i found and hopefully you see too apply to us today which believers in the lord jesus christ in verse one there james who was a servant of god and the lord jesus christ and James was written to scattered Christian Jews, as we see there at the end of verse 1. And these were Jews that were believers that had believed on the gospel of Jesus, but they were outside of Jerusalem at this point. And there's, there's a word called diaspora that's used there. It's, it's the same word for dispersed Jews that over their history had been dispersed but god had always reached out to them after much time sometimes in their humbling and hardness of trials that they were going through but but these were already believers these ones that he's writing to and he was concerned for them james was as the word of god which he had heard and believed and seen with his own eyes it hadn't been completed they hadn't had the canon of scripture yet written and persecution was coming as he was a pastor in the local church there at jerusalem a leader there and he was already experiencing that persecution and also they'd just come from under the law these new believers and these people had been grounded and rooted in ritualism in that um under the law and so james wanted to convey to them the truth and the meaning of what is a genuine faith in the lord jesus christ so this is just my introduction here 
And okay, despite the hardships they were facing, if they had to be patient, as we see there at the end of verse 3. They had to be patient. The trying of your faith worketh patient. And, you know, if they did this, and we see enduring at the end of verse 12 there, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. And if they did this, they would receive an eternal reward one day. As we read at the end of that verse, he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. For remaining faithful and uh, they will be rewarded. And through the gospel of repentance, James knew that these beloved brethren, believers, had a change of mind. They had repented truly of being a slave to sin no more and wanting to live for God. So he wants, he's desirous to encourage them. And so he's warning them, as we look in chapter 1, verse 8, of carnality and worldliness. And verse Eight there, double-minded man is unstable in all, the, all his ways. And verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And verse 15, then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And so he even warns, this word death is a physical harm. And, uh, and it can lead, you know, if you, the warning is to death and so don't be enticed, he's saying. There we see in verse end of verse 14. And that enticed is actually the word we get for lure, like you use in fishing to use of bait and to lure into a trap. Um, the devil wants to lure you and entice you away and be drawn away. And But, but what I'm saying, James, is saying you can... By patient continuance and enduring in these temptations of suffering, like just in the suffering and the world and the flesh, you can be stronger, you can overcome, you can be purer. And James is exhorting all believers here, as we've just read in our text in verse 19, to be quiet and hear what God has to say. Let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak, slow to wrath. So to examine our faithfulness and true service to the Lord and questions we can ask ourselves, are we listening to the Saviour? Are we listening to those mature in faith? And this is what they depended on. They didn't have the word of God right then. They had those like James and other brethren that had the testimony of the Lord um, they had to listen to them. They had to stop and uh, to do that. And so are we responding to what we hear when we listen to the Lord, when we have the written word of God? And so first point is listening to Jesus. In verse 19, again, that's the first point is that one. Do we hear when our Saviour speaks to us? living God's will and God's way in our life that pleases him. And the promise of reward, as we looked back earlier in verse 12, then we must be swift to hear and slow to speak. Hearing is the perceiving of sound. Perceiving is to consciously become aware of its presence. And uh, we are living in a world where everyone wants to speak and no one wants to listen. And look, I know sometimes we pray, and I 
when we hear of suffering believers like we've mentioned in our prayer requests, especially in Libya, in Ukraine, in Morocco and other places where there's quite suffering, um, we pray that they'll know, especially the believers will know the presence of the Lord, being a, that they'll be aware, and I'm sure they are more so consciously, but others will see that presence that are suffering without Christ and inquire. So we are living in a world where everyone wants to speak and no one wants to listen, especially everyone wants our attention, whether it's from advertising to the politicians or commentators, salesmen. We're living in a world where everyone wants to speak and no one wants to listen. And this can make for a noisy soul. The God of all power if you remember, in 1 Kings 19.12, spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice. Not in the great wind and the earthquake that tore the mountains and the rock, but in a still, small voice. And the Lord Jesus Christ exhorts every child of God to be quiet and to listen to his voice. And John 10.27, Jesus said himself, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And just, I'm going to read in chapter 18 also of John, when he's talking to Pilate, when he was brought before Pilate, verse 37 of 18. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice on Tuesday nights we just finished a Bible study course looking at the foundations of Bible study and we're looking at how important it is the imperativeness of Bible study and, and we, right in our first lesson it started with an acrostic soil and you might think soil is like gardening when you get right in there and toss it up and mulch it up and and make it so you can plant seed and you get soiled but are we getting soiled in the word of god and uh and what that meant was s was for spirituality when uh, we firstly before we can know god and understand his word and his son through the Holy Spirit, we need to be saved. We need to have the Holy Spirit, which we receive when we trust Christ. So that's important in anything that we do, whether in marriage, in whether especially in ministry, uh, in leadership. You need to be saved um, in church, and and so O for soil was observation, and what is God saying? And that's our listening, that's our attention as we listen to every word we read. And then I, for soil, was interpretation. What does it mean? And we know, we looked at right rules of right interpretation of Scripture, and I'm not going to go into that now, but which, when we do it God's way, because he's given us his word, we, we've got to make sure it all matches up and key words that he gives us. And it requires hard work and prayer. Ask him even to plough up any hardness of our hearts, otherwise we won't be effective. We won't be quieted in our soul. 
having we need to have an attitude of meekness as we read there in 21b and receive with meekness the engrafted word and so and this is when we do that meekness it's the opposite of wrath which was there in verse 20 which um, the deepest treasures of God's word this is a quote the deepest treasures of God's words will not be revealed to a beach comber, like someone combing the beach as they do for maybe to, for coins or just looking for things on the surface. And so it, it, it requires digging deep, turning the soil over. And, and then L in soil, living what we have learned. And that's applying it to our life. And the, the Lord speaks to us when we pray and when we attentively engage in the quiet study of his word. And, and the hardest thing is the waiting, waiting on the Lord and his leading in our lives. And, and he helps us to endure through the battles and through the allurements and temptations. And secondly, all right, it's listening to others. And you might ask, well, where do you get that, listening to others? But... When we look at the principle here in verse 20 and 21, which we sort of looked at a little bit, the previous point, number one, we looked at listening to Jesus and it is not as easy as we know because we are always too busy in our daily lives trying to serve Christ. We're trying to do the right thing in serving Christ through our own ability rather than our attention. And um, we might think of Mary or Martha and Mary in Luke 10. Such a contrast there. Martha was busy serving and Mary was sitting at the feet of the Lord Jesus listening. And we know that story. But what is more difficult than listening to what Christ is saying to us personally? What is more difficult than that? And... um, Would we not agree that we struggle now with areas of pride is to listen to what other brethren might have to say to us? and Especially if it's one-on-one, but it's probably more easier listening to the pastor or a preacher preach the word. But when someone... But maybe we've gotten angry um, and we don't even realise it, like there in verse 20 again, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Even so, the Lord tells us that we should listen to other believers when such guidance and concern is from his word. And and yes, God has established in the New Testament church leaders, and we read in Ephesians 4, pastors and teachers and his evangelists, and but mainly pastors and teachers in like in the local church that are there and who are gifted and equipped to give such wise, godly advice. And Paul exhorts Timothy, who there, to preach the word in instant in 2 Timothy 4.2. Whether it be in season, out of season, reprove even the hard thing of rebuking, exhort with all long suffering, with endure, like patiently, and, and then finishing, and doctrine, holding doctrine. The Lord has also placed other mature believers in the body of Christ who, not just church leaders, that who are also mature in the faith and have good advice that we need to hear. And that can be parents, wives, husbands, friends, 
or maybe even those who we didn't thought didn't care much about us, but they were concerned in the Lord. We can also see in the Old Testament the importance of this wise counsel from other believers, and you'll definitely find this counsel in Proverbs. And I just want to share, like Proverbs twelve fifteen, in emphasizing that it says, "The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise." And um, in twenty five twelve, I'll just go over a little bit. Twenty five twelve, another one. An earring, as an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. It's not easy to be reproved, but if we're wanting to obey God and we can discern that this is biblical, what they're saying, something that it's good to listen. And I was thinking you may have noticed in your life, like I have in mine, how the Lord through your life in different challenges. He brings people across your path who can help you in certain tasks that they might be better at doing than you are, even though, especially if you've been doing it for a time and then someone comes along who knows a better way, that also is quite humbling. They don't even have to be Christian, like at work. I've experienced that a lot. People have helped me out in quicker and more efficient ways. But also with that, the Lord also brings people in our lives, other believers, who can also teach us something that we need to know. And otherwise, we can be foolish as we're looking there, verse 12 of chapter 12, verse 15 of Proverbs, to think we're, what that is saying is we are foolish to think we have all the answers, that no one can teach us anymore. And so on the balance side, not all advice is good advice, though. We, need, we, can, also, we can certainly consider... And be open to whom those God has placed in our path for help. Edification, encouragement, or maybe that hard thing of rebuke, rebuke of sin, as we see there in verse 21. Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and be humble. Like it says, receive with meekness the engrafted word. Obviously, if they're not using the word of God, well then the red flags go up. It might be their own way they want us to treat them. But it's when it's the word of God, we know we can learn and, and listen. And this, um, you know, this has come about through someone telling us, like when we think of sin there in that light, we go to Matthew 18, just one verse there in 15. And this is not just the leadership of the church. This is... Um, Mature believers concern for someone that has sinned or sinned against them. And it's quite significant. And uh, moreover, in verse 15 of chapter 18, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, that sin against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. We see um, understanding and restoration there through forgiveness. And so... And then I'm just going to only read that verse and also another one, Galatians 6.1, which talks, Galatians 6.1, Brethren, talking to believers again, if a man be overtaken in a fault, in a sin, ye which are spiritual, as we've been looking at, mature in the faith, 
Restore such a one in the spirit of, and then we have that word meekness again, it's so important, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And, you know, you can be tempted to get angry yourself because you're frustrated. They're not listening, maybe. But, or, you know, um, you're not as strong and mature as, and, and not really in the right place to be telling them. Oh. So, So to have any restoration, we have to, we have to do, um, listen, acknowledge, and then maybe if it's in that, if it's there's sin there that we mightn't even be aware of, and usually a lot of that sin is through issues of pride, and uh, that that we've overlooked, not just out there um, sin of actions where we but those even those what the bible calls secret sins that we learn and but obviously in those contexts of Matthew 18 and Galatians 6 you're not dealing with that's like with the fellowship and 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 restoration and it's in the context of church discipline that one in Matthew 18 but just with that spirit of restoration and and trying to deal with it it's that listening to other believers that are trying to reveal that through the word so James saw the human heart as a garden if left to itself the soil would produce only weeds he urged us to pull out the weeds now it doesn't say that like that but Where it says there in 21, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Pull. And we need to confess that sin clean so God can clean our heart to prepare the soil for, to implant the seed of the word of God in graft, as we read there in the end of the verse, in graft the word of God. And then we see 21b, save your souls. And I, I thought maybe that's not a meaning eternal salvation because it's talking to believers it might be believers who are sinning that maybe saving your soul from shipwreck like but then I, I, I looked at it in the greek lexicon and it does talk about the unsaved there so it must be saying those who have not trusted in the lord which is in the end of verse 21 jesus christ maybe those who have not trusted jesus to save them they're just continually living in this sin they're not they're not confessing it and if they do, that the word of God is able to save them. And the engrafted word has the power to restore and accept the truth of our sinfulness and seek his forgiveness and make us humble and meek. And so then thirdly, just my last point, listen. As we see verse 22, listen, then do. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Hearing the text over and over, over again, like that one, we even pray that sometimes after the preaching of the word. Help us, Lord, to be doers of the word and not just hearers as the word has gone out with power. And 
And maybe we can tend to focus on the need just to be doers rather than hearers only. And, um, but it's usually because we've neglected to hear in the first place. And so, okay, we've looked at the need to stop and listen um, very quickly, but we must follow with what we see here as action upon hearing. And uh, hearing without doing is pointless, but doing without hearing can be disastrous. And uh, I think a beautiful illustration there would be in Matthew chapter 7 of... Doing without hearing can be disastrous and it's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. It's chapter 7, verse 24. And Jesus says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And then we have the disastrous doing without hearing and everyone in verse 26 that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and then we see just before that the Lord Jesus talks about the danger of doing without hearing in your faith like the danger of profession without faith in verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have we cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. And they'll hear the most disastrous words and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from ye that work iniquity. Doing the doing without hearing. And there's many, and that's what we call a false religion. They've not, they're doing it in works. And, and James goes on to talk about that and a bit more, but we won't look at that. And think about those who heard and experienced God's abundant blessings. Like as we think of those in scripture that, um, praise the Lord for their testimony who heard they heard God and they experienced God's abundant blessings because they heard and they did they heard and they obeyed the Lord like Noah Abraham and Gideon and look it wasn't perfect but they did that and um, but what about who opposite missed God's blessing because they heard but they did not obey straight away? And we can go right back to Adam and Moses and Jonah. And okay, they you might think, yeah, but like just the blessings of what in contrast to Noah, Abraham and Gideon, even today we read and um and as a young person, when I think of those contrasts, I remember there was a fear. I had a fear and it was developing into my young adult years of the Lord was impressing upon me the thought of missing out on great blessings on this earth as I was going to young adult if I was not obeying God and doing what he wanted me to do. And 
if I wasn't obeying my parents and and as I was still under that umbrella of protection and God's authorities and leaders in my life in the church, just, you know, for example, like I could miss out. It shocked me, like the thought of I could miss out on a life partner he had been preparing for me to marry or even ministry opportunities and, you know, having that power because not you're not in his will to reach out. And I remember fearing about that and... um and especially as I become to grow, like in a local church, God's way separated in a local church as we understand biblical separation and how those things we need to obey and do um, to have God's blessing separated from the world, especially. And imagine what the Lord can do through us, just finishing. If we purpose to hear and obey, and as we sung in one of the song, one of the hymns tonight about if we ask God, He will do. I, I remember, and I was thinking, it's always and you always when we sing something like that, God will do what we ask. It's always if it's in His will, as we understand and know His will in what we're talking about, hearing and doing what He's asked us to do and to put off, as we know the old man and put on the new in growing in that sanctification in that in him and we can be better witnesses for him as he knows our heart and we can grow in his grace and knowledge and mature and eat the meat in that of the word and not just the milk as we see the importance of making the time to be still to make sure we quietly listen to what God has to say through his word. And even our Saviour did that. He made the time to be still in the garden, um, on the Mount of Olives, and other times he went aside into the mountain to be with God and his heavenly Father and to to talk to him and to listen. And uh, but we need to remember to take action upon what we hear from his word.